This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. weird circle. In this cave by the restless sea, we are met to call from out of the past stories, strange and weird. Bellkeeper, toll the bell so that all may know we are gathered again in the weird circle. of the House of Usher. I am leaving it as my last will and testament because before this year is over, the cavernous tarn will close over the gables of our decadent home. It was written by our ancestors many years ago that when the rains are blood red, the House of Usher will crumble to the earth. There are three members of the Usher family living two in direct descent, the Lady Madeline and her twin brother, Roderick. I was engaged to marry Roderick long before I knew my cousin. It is the custom for the Usher family to intermarry. The Lady Madeline has been confined to bed these many weeks, waiting for death, waiting for the last days of her life to pass quietly. I have so little time left, Roderick. I must see Charles before I die. Charles Wilson is tied up in London on business. He can't come down here every time you've a whim to see him. Oh, this is no whim. It's just a matter of days before I... Don't be impatient with me. Sister, please. Oh, afraid of the truth, Roderick? You've always been afraid of me. I can read your mind so easily. Look at me, brother. Let's not argue again. 
You've always wanted me to die. You've waited for it year after year, praying and hoping that I die, leaving you free to inherit the house and the fortune. But you'll be fooled. Look. Look at the rain. This isn't you speaking. It's the fever. Fever or not, the rain is turning red, isn't it? Yes, it... It seems that way at times. Each day it will be redder and redder and darker and... Madeline. Afraid, brother? Are you afraid of blood-red rains? The doctor said you should have rest and quiet. You, you weaken yourself when you're excited. Where's Dina? I don't know. I'm not her keeper. She's downstairs, probably, buried in that romantic nonsense that she reads. Every girl likes to read romantic stories, Rod. Heaven help her when she becomes your wife. Call her for me, will you? The doctor's orders were that you're not to be disturbed. Call her, Rod. Do as I say. For your own good, I... I'll get even with you someday. Dina. 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 Madeline. Dina. Did you call me Lady Madeline? Yes, Dina Charles. Come here, my dear. Is there something I can do for you? Yes. I want to see Charles Wilson before... before I die. I told you he was busy, Maddie. Tell Talbot to hitch up the coach in four, Dina. Go to London tonight. Tell Charles I must see him right away. Bring him back with you. I'll not have Dina go out in this weather. But, Rod, Dina, please go. Don't listen to Rod. Do this for me. I will not have strangers dragged into our family secrets. Charles Wilson is no stranger. He's the only one who knows the secret of the house of Usher. I don't like leaving you, cousin. The doctor will be here shortly. Hurry, my dear, and bring Charles back. I forbid it, Dina. If I don't see Charles tonight, I'll be buried alive. Not able to live. Not able to die. We'll never get through to London tonight, Mum. Not in this weather. Not in a million years. It ain't a night for humans to be a bat. The Lady Madeline is dying. The least we can do is grant her her last wish. Dina! Dina! Quickly, Talbot, before Lord Rick tries to catch up with us. Dina, did you hear me call you? Yes, I heard you, cousin. Try to protect you, child, because I love you. I don't want any harm to come to my future wife. Please, run. What, you turn for me when I touch you? I don't know. Afraid of me? I, I... Answer me, Dina. Are you afraid of me? Yes. But you loved me once. That was before we returned to the house of Osher. And you're going anyway? Yes, Roderick. For Madeline's sake. Are you ready, Mum? Yes. Yes, Talbot, ready. We'll be back by midnight, Roderick. Hurry, cousin. Or else the lady Madeline might not live long enough to get her last wish. Did she leave, Roderick? Yes. Madeline, why don't you confide in me? Why must you call in strangers when you know how it humiliates me? I can't trust you, Roderick. Ever since we were children, you've kept one secret from me. What is that secret, Madeline? <laughs> That's one thing you never wheedle out of me. What is that secret, Maddie? Leave me alone, brother. I'm ill. You're dying, Madeline. You know you're dying. The secret won't do you any good. 
Now, what is it? Please, Roderick. Tell me, Madeline, or you won't live to die the way you think you will. <laughs> Tell me, or by heaven, I'll force it out of you. Oh, oh, oh. oh whoa there, whoa, boy. Uh, this is his house, Mum. Thank you, Talbot. Mr. Wilson, is he here? Yes, I... Why, Dina Asher, what are you doing in London at this hour of the night? Come in, my dear. The Lady Madeline sent me. Great heavens, child, your clothes are dressed. Come on in. I'll fix you some hot tea. Oh, we haven't time, Charles. Madeline wants to see you at once. Please come with me right away. The doctor doesn't think she'll live through the night. Madeline? Darling? Oh, she's been ill for months. Charles, you wouldn't know her anymore. Why didn't you let me know before this? Roderick wouldn't let me. Roderick? But why? I can't explain now, Charles. Believe me when I say it's important that you come at once. Talbot's waiting outside. I'm frightened for Madeline. We've got to be back by midnight. <laughs> came in time, Doctor. Lady Usher, you shouldn't allow your brother to excite you. He has a cruel streak in him at times. Surprisingly like my grandfather. What time is it? Midnight. Here, drink this. It will give you strength. Oh, I can't move. Uh, lean against me. There. Dr. Bain, you've attended all my family, haven't you? Yes, Lady Usher. You've been closer to us than almost anyone. If I ask you for an honest answer, would you give it to me? That depends on the question. How much longer have I to live? Years, my dear. No, Doctor. I want an honest answer, please. It's imperative that I know... I don't know really, my dear. Hurry, Talbot. Please hurry. I'm going as fast as the horses can go, Mum. Faster, Talbot. We won't accomplish anything at all if you lose self-control, Dina. Oh, I'm sorry, Charles, but I've the most dreadful foreboding. Foreboding? Well, I thought Madeline and Roderick were as close as brother and sister could possibly be. They were until about a year ago. What caused the change? Well, I'd been living at the house of Usher for about four months when Roderick suddenly became, well, nervous, jumpy. He'd lock himself up in his room for days. He was morbid, frightfully morbid. Sounds like a depression of spirit. Oh, it's went deeper than that. Madeline fell ill at the same time. And then the horrible reddish rains began to fall. Red rain? Dina, really? Oh, you'll see. The first day those rains began to fall, the rift between Madden and Roderick widened. Until now, their hate is a living thing. It fills the house. They seem to be battling constantly for possession of each other's soul. Charles, look. Look ahead. There's the house. And the rain. Look at the rain. Yes. Red rain. Well, Charles, 
Uh, do come in. We, we've been waiting for you. Oh, it's good to see you again, Roderick. Come in, Dina. Don't stand there staring at me. It's been a long time since I've last seen you, Rod. Yes, uh, a long time. Let me take your coat, Charles. I'll hang it up. Thank you, dear. My sister's waiting, Charles. You'd better go right up. Yes, uh, of course. I'd better warn you, Madeline's delirious. She doesn't quite know what she's saying sometime. Uh, Rod, uh, why don't you come up with me? She expressed a desire to see you alone. Charles. Oh, Charles, I'm so glad you came. I had to see you alone. Madeline, don't try to sit up. You'll only weaken oh, yourself. Sit over here, Charles, next to me. You're the only person I can trust, and you must promise to do exactly as I say. Of course, of course. Oh, remember what I told you years ago. Remember about Roderick and me. I told you then that he and I were more than twins. Well, that was just childish fancy. Oh, I wish to God it were. But those suspicions have all been proven these last few months. Roderick and I are, are only one person. Not two. We have two earthly bodies. But we share one soul. When Charles and I were born, our shoulders were attached. The day of our birth, we were separated. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean you share one soul. I've never been able to feel anything for myself. His thoughts are my thoughts. His tears are my tears. His weaknesses are mine. Don't you understand, Charles? Are you sure of this, Madeline? Positive. His mind has the initiative. He doesn't respond to my emotions. Because I had none. None. I'm cold without him. Don't you see? My earthly body is wasting away. But my soul is not my own. As long as he's alive, Charles, the power of his life will keep me living. Madeline, Lady Madeline, you mustn't even think of it. Oh, it's true, though. I'll have a living death. I'll be buried alive. Unable to live. Unable to die. Madeline. That's why I called you here. Promise me now, Charles. You'll never allow my coffin to be sealed. Keep my body in this house. You must rest, Madeline. Stop talking. Do you promise, death. Charles? Promise. Yes, yes, of course I do. Don't tell Roderick Charles, ever. He'll seal me in my tomb alive. Madeline, my, my dear. Every model is entitled to his own soul. If I can't rest in death. If I can't rest in death, I'll return from the grave and take him with me. What are you doing standing outside this door, Roderick? Tina. Not enough to see Charles in privacy. Why do you insist on spying on your own sister? Shut up. I can't understand you, Roderick. There are many things you can't understand, Tina. Come with me downstairs. Let me go. Come along. To the living room. I'd like to go in and tell Madeline that you were spying on her again. Tell her if you wish. She's a poor, sick thing. Unable to lift her arm against me. I don't know how I ever loved you. You'll learn to again after we're married. I hate you, Roderick Usher. I'll never marry you. I... In heaven's name! Roderick! Roderick, what's the matter? Pain inside me, crawling like vermin. Help me, Dina. Oh, of course. Help me. Roderick! Dina! It's Madeline! She's dead! Ah! 
Madeline, beside your bed. You're dead, Madeline. Dead. Two people fought for the possession of one soul, and you've lost. <laughs> You'll try to drag me to the grave with you, but you're weaker than I, Madeline. You'll never return. Never. And that was her last request, Doctor. It's a peculiar request, Mr. Wilson. I know it is, Doctor, but it was the Lady Madeline's last wish. Oh. Roderick. What are you doing here? Taking a last look at my beloved sister's face. Oh. Doctor, I'm not quite sure that the Lady Madeline is dead. Look at the flush of life in her cheeks. Stop speaking like a fool, Charles. Look for yourself, Roderick. What are you trying to do, frighten me? No. I've asked the doctor to verify her death. In cases of this kind, Mr. Wilson, death from catalepsy, the deceased often retains a lifelike flush. But it's merely symptomatic. Nothing supernatural about it. Of course she's dead. Isn't she, Doctor? However, if you feel the slightest doubt... No doubt at all. I'd suggest delaying the burial for a week or two. As the nearest of kin, I want the funeral held at once. She'll be laid to rest in the family catacombs beneath the house. Roderick, I gave her my word. Your word isn't valid. You're not one of the family. But it was my word of honor. Don't mix in family affairs, Charles. But the least you can do is grant her last wish, Roderick. This is nonsense. The dead are best buried. But, Rod, your own sister... No! As the doctor in the case, I don't feel justified in making out a death certificate for two weeks. The Lady Madeline will lie in state in her coffin in the catacombs. The coffin will remain open. For 30 years, these catacombs have been unused. Look at the walls, Dina. Time has encrusted them with nitre. It's cold in here. Cold and damp. Let's take the coffin this way, Talbot. Watch out, Charles. Don't fall. Be careful. Catacombs have always been soft with slime and nitre. Hard to breathe in here at times, isn't it? Where's the room, Roderick? Ahead. The end of the corridor. Are you positive we can keep a fire burning in there? Yes, Charles. Uh, Talbot. Yes, sir. Did you start the fire? Oh, yes, sir. I did that early this morning. The room ought to be warm by now, sir. Talbot's a dependable man. He starts warm fires to bring life to death. Roderick, how can you act like that? Your own sister. Yes, my own dear, beloved sister. There, Charles. Look ahead of you. Tiny room at the end of a corridor. The fire is blazing. Careful. Careful with the casket. We'll place it on the table. Center of the room. All right, sir. We can place it down. Yes, Yes, top. Down there. I know that my redeemer will rest in peace. And that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though this body be destroyed, yet shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not as a stranger. We brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. The Lord giveth, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Talbot! Talbot! Yes, ma'am? Why, Mum, what are you doing up at this hour of the night? I can't sleep. I keep dreaming the Lady Madeline is crying for help. 
Where's Lord Roderick? Oh, he couldn't sleep either, Mum. He said he was worried that his sister was cold, Mum. Whatever does he mean by that? Did he go down to the catacombs? Yes, Mum, that he did. He said he wanted to stir the fires a bit. Down there? Oh, wait a minute, Mum. Later, Talbot. I must stop him. I must... I wouldn't go down there, Mum. It's ever so cold at night and damp. I wouldn't go down there myself. I advise Lord Roderick against it, Mum. I did. I told Roderick! 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 The door. The door slammed shut. It's so dark in here. Cold and dark. Roderick! Roderick! Roderick, where are you? Rod! Rod, answer me! I don't like these goings on at all, I don't. People dying and not getting themselves properly buried. It ain't normal. No, that it ain't. Talbot. What? Are you up too, Mr. Wilson? Don't nobody sleep proper in this here house? Where are Miss Dina and Lord Roderick Talbot? Well, I was sitting here as nice as you please, sir. But where is Miss Dina Talbot? Well, yeah, that's what I'm getting to. I was drinking this here cup of tea when Lord Roderick comes in a little past midnight. Or uh, was it a little before midnight? Where is he? Uh, well, well, I'm getting to that. He comes in and he says he does... He wants a flame. Yes? Yeah. He says, as calm as you please, he wants to go down and keep his sister from getting cold. And Miss Dina? Well, as for her, she came down a little later and said she dreamt that the Lady Madeline was calling to her. So she follows Lord Roderick to the catacombs. It ain't proper, sir. It ain't proper. Calling me, cousin. Oh, Roderick. Roderick, I was so frightened. I thought I was lost. Why did you come down here? I, I dreamt Madeline needed me. Well, what did you do, Rod? Be quiet, Tina. You closed the coffin. Oh, how could you? Don't you approve? You, you were going to drive a, a stake through her coffin. She was a witch, Tina. A witch. Isn't that the custom to drive a stake through the heart of a witch? Watch, Dina. Watch. No. Watch me drive the hammer through a heart. Stop that. Stop. Stop that. Roderick, put that stake down in heaven's name. Don't. Don't. Leave it alone. Take your hands off. Please, Roderick. Please. It's so horrible. Don't you understand? It's your own sister. Your own sister. Pay for this, Dina. You and Madeline together. Oh, Roderick. Help help me with him. Yes, sir. Pardon me, Lord Roderick, but... Oh, Oh, Charles, darling. You came just in time. He looks like he was dead, sir. Lying there on the sofa. No. No, he's beginning to stir. Keep bathing his face in cool water, dear. Uh, He'll be all right. I'm afraid the shock of Madeline's death is too much for him. The shock of her death, uh, the constant fall of the rain. It's getting redder all the time, Charles. Uh, yes, it is. That's just uh, an electric phenomenon. Oh, don't try to move, Roderick. Oh, it's you, Dina. You again. Lie still, cousin. You'll feel better in a little while. You're both fools. You shouldn't have stopped me. She's a witch. 
Don't you understand? No, no, Roderick. Listen. Listen, Charles. What? Can't you hear it? What are you talking about? Listen. I told you once my hearing was super acute. I can hear a heart beating. You're overwrought. Suppose I go for the doctor, Rod. He'll give you a sedative. No. No, don't leave me. But you need your sleep. Well, of course you do. All this hard night will pass over when the morning comes. And those infernal rains clear. It's not in my mind. She's coming. She's coming for me. I can hear her in the catacombs. Listen, Charles, listen. Roderick, please believe me that you're simply overwrought and emotional. I've got to get out of here. I must leave at once. She's coming for me. Coming. She swore she would. I know she did. I overheard. I overheard her talk with you, Charles. Roderick. Cousin, no, you're hearing things. Now, listen. I can't hear anything. She's leaving the catacombs now. Listen, Charles, don't you hear her breathing? Can't you hear her footsteps? Her sighs? She's in the hallway, Charles. In the hall. Help me, Judge. Help me, Charles. Roderick. She's coming closer. Faster. Faster. Her feet are on the stairs. One by one, she's coming up those stairs. Listen, you can hear her now, can't you? You can hear her now. Charles, look out the window. The rains are blood red. She's outside the door. Listen. Listen, cousin, listen. Madeline! No, sister. No. Leave the house of Usher, Charles. You and Dina, leave this cursed house at once. The rains are blood red, and I've come to reclaim my soul. Adler. Oh! And you, Roderick, you will be soulless forever. From that chamber and from that mansion, Charles and I fled aghast. The storm was still abroad in all its wrath as we crossed the park to the highway. The moon above the house of Usher was blood red. And Charles held me close as we walked on and on into the night. Dina, my darling, don't look back. The house has crumbled to the ground. Crumbled into the cavernous tide. Charles. Little Dina. You'll always be safe with me. From the time-worn pages of the past... We have heard another immortal tale in The Weird Circle. Bellkeeper, toll the bell. Be here in this lonely cave by the restless sea once again next time for another immortal tale in The Weird Circle. Appointment with fear.
This is your storyteller, the man in black. Here again to bring you another story in our series, Appointment with Fear. Edgar Allan Poe's story, The Pit and the Pendulum, adapted for broadcasting by John Dixon Carr. Jean Delbray, Captain Jean Delbray. Good fathers, gentlemen. We hear you, my son. I have been confined for many months in a dungeon. I have been tormented by nightmares. Of conscience, one trusts. Pray silence, Brian Antonio. Even now I have no knowledge of where I am or to whom I may be speaking. You are speaking to me, my son. I am Fra Pedro Despila, prior of the Dominicans of Segovia and Grand Inquisitor for all Spain. Is this the court of the Inquisition? It is. Then God help me. He will help you, my son, if you trust him. But I am a French officer. That is true. A soldier and creature of the Archfiend Napoleon Bonaparte. But a French officer, nonetheless. A prisoner of war. By what right do you try me in this court? Let the clerk read the charges against this prisoner. Pray silence while the clerk reads the charges. The charges against the prisoner are as follows. In primis, that he is one Jean d'Albray, a captain of artillery in the army of Bonaparte, so-called emperor of the French. This means nothing. As the prisoner says, it is no crime. Proceed. Item that on the fourth day of September in the year of our Lord, 1808, the said Jean d'Albret did wed, espouse, and marry that most noble lady, the Donna Beatrice Valdez, niece and ward of the illustrious... One moment. Your Excellency spoke. Brian Antonio, was any cheat employed to trap this girl into marriage against her will? No. We have no actual evidence of any cheat. Was the girl of age? I believe so. Then wherefore is the prisoner here? This marriage was a deplorable thing, if you like. Bonaparte himself is almost at the gates of Madrid. His general, La Salle, menaces our city of Toledo itself. But lawful marriage, however regrettable, is no sin or crime. There are other matters in the indictment, I think. Then continue. But give us nothing that is not material. Item that on the 12th of October, 1808, the said Jean d'Albray, being in command of a five-gun battery of light artillery, did direct the fire of his guns against the Holy Church of St. Martha the Innocent. And thereby, of his wicked malice, destroyed the church utterly. Captain d'Albray, is this charge true? Yes, you admit it. Good father, hear what I have to say. The church blew up, I think. Would you boast of your sin, young man? It blew up because it was stored with kegs of gunpowder for your army. I had every right to fire on it. And that is all the defense you have to make. I tell you I had every right to fire on it. By military law. Is military law above God's law? I don't know. I did my duty. Long live the emperor. Captain Delbray, hear the sentence of this court. Had your offense been any except this, the holy office would have been merciful. Mark what I say. No man, however great his heresy, is ever condemned to be burnt in the fire. The fire. The fire. The fire. If he first recant and acknowledge the error of his ways, 
But for you, Jean Delbray, there can be no mercy, no pity, no atonement. The only sentence of this court can be... Death. 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 The secular or government arm to which we must release you has devised two ways of punishment in cases such as yours. You hear the tolling of bells? I hear them. It is the procession of the condemned going to the Auto de la Fe. Soon, the yellow light of the flames will stream through the windows and flicker on floor and ceiling. Most of those condemned out of mercy will be strangled before they are burned. It cannot be so with you, Jean Delbray. You must die in one of two ways. Either with the direst of physical agony... A slow fire of green wood. Iced bandages about the head and heart so that the fire does not approach too quickly. Be silent, Fra Antonio. I cry your pardon, Grand Inquisitor. Or else, Jean Dalbray, you must die in a certain other way. Have done with this. Pass your sentence and let me go. The law does not permit me to tell you now what this other way is. It must approach you slowly and force itself into your mind. It must stalk you like a tiger. It must bring you face to face at last with the king of terrors. The sentence of this court, therefore... I had swooned, yet still I will not say that all of consciousness was lost. In the deepest slumber, no. In delirium, no. In a swoon, no. In death, no. Even in the grave, all is not lost. There are shadows of memory which tell me indistinctly of tall figures that lifted me and bore me in silence, down, down, still down until a hideous dizziness oppressed me at that descent into the earth. There was a vague horror at my heart because of that heart's unnatural stillness. Then this consciousness swam back to my wits again. Darkness. Stone floor. And darkness. Oh, Beatrice. Oh, my wife. Did you call me, Jean? Beatrice. Was that you who spoke? Yes, Jean. You, here, in the dungeons of the Inquisition? I am not really speaking to you, my poor Jean. I am only in your imagination. Am I mad, then? No, but your brain is fevered. You only think you hear me. I hear you clearly, as clearly as I once heard you. In the little church near the Ebro. Well, we were married. Yes. I destroyed that church, Beatrice. I had to. It was my commanding officer's order. I know, Jean. Be comforted. There are those who care. It is completely dark. There's hardly any air. I dread to get up. And I dread to stretch out my hand. <gasps> Suppose they have buried me alive. <laughs> 
Courage. Can you stand up? I think so. Then walk. Walk as far as you can. Measure the limit of the cell. If this is not a tomb... You're right, Beatrice. As always, I'll try. Are you on your feet? Yes. Now pray for a poor devil who always meant well. One pace. Two. Three. Four. You are very weak, Jean. Rest a moment. Where are you now, Beatrice? In the flesh, I mean. You know that, Jean. In the old house by the olive grove. Scorned of my people. Yes, I know it. Each morning I climb to the hilltop and watch. Go on. Sometimes I think I hear gun wheels rumble in the hills. And long moving columns with the red dust rising about them. Go on. First come the heavy cavalry and plume-crested helmets. On their flanks, wheeling like hawks. Light hussars in blue and scarlet. And behind them, in a glitter of bayonets as vast as light points in the sea. Rank upon rank, the long gray coats and tall bearskin caps of... The old guard and the grand army. It is only a vision, my dear one. They do not come. Will they ever come, Beatrice? I cannot tell. Then I must face what has been prepared for me. Beatrice. Yes, John? I tried to walk. I took some steps. Four steps, yes. But in which direction? I can't remember. Are you facing in the same way? I don't know, perhaps. Then walk again. Try. Keep your hand in front of you. This robe impedes me. And the floor is treacherous with slime. But I'll try. Four paces. Five. Six. Seven. It can't be a tomb. Eight. Nine. Look out! I'm, I'm all right. I fell on my face. The robe tripped me. What is it? My hand is in front of me, lower than my face. But I feel nothing. Nothing, Jean? It's a pit. A circular pit. And I fell on the very edge of it. They would have made you walk into it. Yes. There's a loose fragment of rock just inside the edge. If only I can dislodge it. Listen. There's something down there. Rats, it may be. Rats, yes, but... something else. I heard it move. So did I. Accident saved me. They would have had me plunge there symbolically, like the descent of the soul, to keep company with something else. And quick death forms no part of their plan. What is in the pit, John? I can't say. Did you say I was saved, Beatrice? Saved from the Inquisition? My torture has been merely postponed.
A deep sleep fell upon me. A sleep like that of death. How long it lasted, I know not. But when I opened my eyes once again, I could see. Yes, see. My prison was large and lofty. Its walls formed of massive iron plates bolted or joined together. A wild, sulfurous luster, I could not trace its origin, lit up the dungeon and the circular pit. And the crudely daubed skeleton figures painted in evil colors on the iron walls. Skeleton figures, demon fillers, gargoyle figures. Their colors a little blurred, as from the effects of the damp. And I... I now lay on my back. And at full length on a low framework of wood... To this framework I was securely bound by a long fastening resembling a surgical bandage. Bound? But why? 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 Beatrice. Look. Where? At the ceiling of the room. Thirty. Forty feet up. What do you see? I see painted on the ceiling... A figure of Father Time. Anything else? But Father Time carries no size. He carries instead what looks like a... a gigantic pendulum from an ancient clock. About one thing I swear I am in my right senses. I saw that pendulum move. A painting cannot move. Yet I swear the pendulum did. It swung a little back and forth. Just like a real pendulum. Try not to trouble your brain. Father Time is not like those other paintings daubed on the walls, the imps and devils and skeletons. That pendulum is real. It's... Beatrice, take care! Take care of what? You are not looking at the pendulum now. Take care of the rats! The rats on the pit. I see them. They're swarming out in dozens. You can see their eyes glitter. One of them ran across the hem of your dress. Did it, Joe? What do they want? They, of course, the sense of the meat in the dish beside but you. But they'll not get it. Cat, you bunnin. Move your hand above the plate, Joe. Move. Beatrice, where are you going? I can hardly hear you. You are sending me away, Joe. I'm sending you away. My poor loved one. You can't bear to see the rats running about my feet, can you? Even when you know I'm not here. Beatrice! It is true, Jean. You are sending me. Yes, it's true. In a cell swarming with vermin, there are others I had rather see here. I had rather see. If you call me Captain Dalbray, then, in spirit, I am here. Who are you? Don't you recognize me? No. I am that second inquisitor, Fra Antonio, whom you thought unfair at your trial. But we were not unfair. We administer the law. That is all. Go. I command you. Go. Not until I have first told you what you already guessed. Which is? As the Grand Inquisitor said... There are two forms of death for such as you. One, death with its direst physical torture. The other, death 
with its direst mental torture. And I have been condemned to the second. And your guess is good. Listen. Do you hear anything? Yes. I hear something. Turn your eyes upwards. Look at the ceiling. The pendulum. Aye, the pendulum. It has descended. Only a foot or so as yet. As you notice, it is not really a pendulum. No? No. Its underside is a crescent formed of sharp, of razor-sharp steel. You mean? A ponderous weight, Captain Dalbray. Its movement is slow now, but soon it will take on momentum. It will swing wider and wider, 30 feet perhaps. Presently, as it swings, you will hear it hiss. And with each broad movement, it will creep a trifle lower. The steel is directly above me. Yes, above the region of your heart. Lie still and look up at it. How long before? You need have no immediate fear. It will not be too soon. But how soon? Who can tell? In the name of pity, give me some answer. Hours? Perhaps days. Its motion can be arrested while you sleep. It's beginning to swing wider. I can't take my eyes from it. Its glitter fascinates you. See how it shines in that wild light. And this is your utmost refinement in cruelty. The law, Captain Talbot, is never cruel. And now, still in spirit... I leave you to your meditation. Minutes, hours, days. Down, steadily down it crept. Days passed. It might have been many days before it swept so closely as to fan me with its acrid breath. The odor of the sharp steel forced itself into my nostrils. To the right, to the left, far and wide. With the shriek of a damned spirit, to my heart, with the stealthy pace of a tiger. Down, certainly relentlessly down, I prayed. I wearied heaven with my prayer for its more speedy descent. I grew frantically mad and struggled to force myself up against that swinging, glittering death of no avail. Down, still unceasingly, still inevitably down, the sharp steel flashed past within three inches of my chest. And then, only then... I heard you calling, Jean. I am here. Here is a strange thing, Beatrice. I am quite calm. You are resigned, then? No. That is a strange thing, too. Even now, I am not resigned. Is there no way out? How can there be? Ten, twelve more vibrations, and it will fray the surge of my robe. Only lightly, as a razor in a delicate hand. There will be many sweeps before it bites deep. 
I can't escape it. And yet... And yet? Ah, if I could only use my wits. You kept me away from you, Jean. You locked me out of your thoughts. If I am here only in your thoughts, why should I fear the rats? The rats? You open your eyes and your eyes blaze. What is it? The rats! Do they still swarm here? Across the floor and over the meat platter. They have taken nearly all your food. Yes, yes, they are ravenous. And they have sharp teeth. Well? The meat is oily and spiced. If I take what remains of it, scatter you, vermin, and rub that meat on the bandages that hold me here. Try it, John. Try it. It may be too late if I move my body a fraction of an inch up. Try it, I tell you. Try it. Look, they scatter as soon as I do try. But they are watching you. I can see their eyes glitter. They are creeping back. Can I scan those rats crawling across me? Can the flesh bear it? One of them has leaped on the wooden framework. Another follows. They are gnawing at the bandage. Seven... Eight more sneaks of the pendulum. Does the bandage give way? A little. Lie still, lie still. Ten. A dozen rats now. Is death, I wonder, worse than this disgust? A dozen sharp knives could do no better. The bandage could loosen to ribbons. It can move sideways, carefully, and drop to the floor. Beatrice, I can't move. My arms and legs are numb. There is no power. She has sprayed your robe. A minute more will be too late. Try. Then, with all the strength that is in me, and the hatred I bear my enemies. Three. A second time. Three. Dijon, the pendulum stops. They are drawing it back up through the roof. <laughs> Each move I make is watched. You never doubted that. No. Yet with all they could do to you, they have failed twice. They will not fail a third time, my dear. There must be no more dallying with the King of Terrors. What else can they do? I can't say. See how the rats gnaw in silence with the bandage. To what? Food, I wonder, have they been accustomed in the pit? To escape the pit? I escaped it once. Listen. What do you hear? A groaning. A grinding as of metal. It was only the cog wheels of the pendulum knife. I think not, Beatrice. Why not? It seemed to come from behind these iron-plated walls... It seemed to shake the dungeon as a mill wheel might shake it. it. Stand up, my poor Jean. Get up off your knees. I can't, Beatrice. I can't endure anymore. The paintings on the walls of this dungeon. The skeletons and innocent devils. They seem different. They are different. The colors sharpen and grow bright. The demon eyes glare. The skeleton hands outstretched. Don't you catch even yet the odor of heated iron? Heated iron? I have been much humble, but I won't have you see me in tears. I order you to go. Join the name of heaven. Yes, in the name of heaven, go.
suffocating heat pervaded the prison. A deeper glow settled in the painted eyes that glared at me. I could draw no breath of air into my lungs. Against the loom of that fiery destruction, the thought of the pit and its coolness came like balm. I staggered to the edge of the pit. I looked into it. The enkindled walls and roof lighted to it to its depths. Yet for one wild moment, even then, I refused to believe the meaning of what I saw. Does the pit please you, Captain Dalbray? You again? Do you find its contents pleasing? <laughs> Not the pit! Merciful God, anything with the pit! And how shall you avoid it? Look! The dungeon has changed its shape. That is true. The walls are closing in. It was formerly a square, and now it is flattening slowly towards the center to force me into the pit. Of course. It will force you along with me. Again, apparently you must be told, Captain Dalbray, that you are speaking only to your own sick fancy. I am not here at all. Farewell. And now, flatter and flatter grew the red burning walls with a swiftness that left me no time for thought. I shrank back with the closing walls pressed me resistlessly onward. At length, for my seared and writhing body, there was no longer any inch of foothold. I tottered on the edge of the pit. Oh! There was a discordant hum of human voices. There was a loud blast as of many trumpets. The fiery walls rushed back. An outstretched arm caught my own as I fell fainting into the abyss. It was that of General Lasalle. The French army had entered Toledo. The Inquisition was in the hands of its enemies. Stories strange and weird. 